All right, everyone. Welcome to the Department 12 podcast. Um, my guest for this episode is Alok Sani. Alok is our world champion of patience. This is his third time being interviewed for the show. The first two times, unfortunately, the recording failed. So I just wanted to thank you very much for coming back to do this again. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. All right. So maybe you could just start by telling uh, the listeners a little bit about what you do. Sure. Um, I'm a consulting psychologist. Um, and so basically, I work with businesses and organizations. Um, I, I do leadership assessment and coaching. Um, I work for a, a firm based in Chicago. Um, I'm in Philadelphia. I, I'm their Northeast consultant, and we do um, assessments for selection, promotion, and development of business leaders. Okay, very cool. And I understand your your training is in clinical psychology. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got from there to what you're doing now and sort of how you use that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I have an MBA and I uh, had a successful career as a corporate manager, um, a, a, an early career executive. Um, I rose up the ranks pretty quickly and, and got a lot of responsibility. Um, and um, at one point, I had 100 uh, people I was responsible for in, an, in a large corporation and with 12 direct reports. Um, and at the same time, I was uh, finishing my doctorate um, in clinical psychology, and I realized that both worlds actually had um, some similarities. What I was learning through my psychology education was helping me become a better manager. Mm. And when I would go uh, spend time with my psychology colleagues, they would always ask me about business. So I ended up finding um, the field of you know, assessment and development, um, and um, in the in the business world and with organizations, and haven't haven't looked back since. Yeah, so it's a fascinating connection, and it's one that that I can relate to as well. My uh, master's degree was in counseling, and I spent some time as a therapist. And one of the things that I found was that in coaching, you actually have a, a bit of a broader range of uh, things that you can work with people on when you're doing clinical work, you're kind of limited to the presenting problem or the diagnosed problem. And I found that when I'm working with people in coaching, it's uh, it's a much broader picture and you can work with people on uh, a lot a lot more, I guess, uh, in their lives and then where they want to go. Um, so one of the topics that we talked about earlier was about generational differences, and it's a really hot topic right now. Do you see any generational differences in your work uh, in leadership or accountability for leadership or expectations? That's a, that's a great question, and, and, and let me set some context to that. Then, uh, you know, if we look at the if we look at the numbers, um, you know, one of there are a couple of stats that, that show there are right now about seventy six point four million baby boomers. And there are about as many millennials. <laughs> They're actually retiring in record numbers. Um, I, I just saw something the other day that about 10,000 boomers are retiring every day. Wow. Um, which is, yeah, which is, it's fascinating. Um, so if you think about this, you've got a, a large population of our workforce retiring, and you've got a large part of our workforce that, you know, with the millennials that are 
um, either uh, in the workforce and, and are starting to grow and develop. Um, but what that means is that millennials are going to get bigger roles earlier in their careers. Um, they're going to have more leadership opportunities than any other generation prior. Um, they're going to be responsible for more resources, more people, and bigger results. And at, at an advantage, you know, when we when we assess for leadership, we we have um, we have five or six um, top talent indicators that we use for assessing um, leaders, and and I, I can talk about them a little bit if if that would be helpful and how that pertains to millennials. Sure, please do. So, so the areas that we that we assess and look for are one are achieves extraordinary results, two attracts, selects, retains, and develops talent, three drives change, four executive presence, and five thought leadership. And and, and an argument could be made for a sixth, which would be teamwork and communication. Mm. So you know as we as we think about this, um, something that we're noticing. The 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 challenges and initiatives that you know are are faced in the workforce today are are very similar to generations previously. What has changed is technology. You know, if you think about it, we all have smartphones. We have these supercomputers in our pockets, um, and it, we didn't have that ten years ago. It wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now, and we really think that the the, the innovation and technology. Is gonna is gonna really um, you know really have a a role you know as as millennials um, are taking on these larger role, larger leadership roles. Hmm. So could you say more about like you know where do you see that the role of of technology? I, I can hear some listeners maybe you know talking back to the podcast right now and saying, well, hey, you know, leadership is leadership. So how do you see that technology changing things? Yeah, and I, we, we, you and I had this discussion uh, a while back a little bit about just even the uh, formality of communication, you yeah. know, through all the different, through all the different channels. You know, if you think about, you know, writing a letter, and you and I remember writing letters, yeah. um, <laughs> but now if you think about, you know, text messages, emails, text messages, um, social media, um, Twitter, Facebook, right? It, it, our, our language is changing. You know, Google, you know, wasn't a verb, you know, maybe, what, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, that would be one example. You know, it's our, our communication is, is changing mm-hmm. very quickly, and, and so so are our norms. Um, yeah. You know, some things are much more uh, accepted now, um, you know, and, I, and that's partly because our workforce is changing as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's just a, a couple of key points that I would draw out of that or maybe to reinforce for the listeners, especially graduate students or early career folks thinking about, you know, what to research or where to focus their practice. And one of them is that, that demographic shift that you talked about, which is that, you know, and I see this in my work as well, just how fast we are expecting uh, millennial leaders to step into into leadership roles. When I work with, um, you know, more senior leaders, they talk about having sort of a stepwise progression. You know, even the high potentials that moved up fairly quickly had, you know, time and position in multiple positions over the course of their careers to get them ready for senior leadership roles. And just because of the, the gap that we're seeing in the demographics 
that we're going to have to accelerate that process for millennial leaders. And the second is about communication. When you think about our field, uh, so many of the sort of foundational studies about leadership and, and even our leadership theories are based on a form of communication that isn't necessarily the norm anymore. We've got leaders who are primarily communicating, um, you know, through technology and, you know, probably much more frequently even, uh, you know, and that might be a blessing. It might be a curse, but it's definitely something to, uh, to keep an eye on. So in, in your work, um, you do assessment and you do coaching and a couple of the questions that I got from Twitter uh, were, how do you know that this stuff is working? You know, what, what evidence do you have that what you're doing is actually making a difference for these leaders? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think there's a there's an art and a science here, but there's also some practicality. I, I my style and 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 you know what I like to work with are are first our business metrics. You know, is really, you know, you're much more effective if you understand the business, you know, and understand what the person's trying to accomplish in the business and how they're going to measure it. You know, um, and if you can frame around that with your research knowledge, you know, of what makes people effective in leadership and what makes, what makes teams effective, right? You can, you can, you can coach, you can teach, you can, you can help people be more effective with a balance of both. Um, so, you know, there's a science to this and there's also mm-hmm. an art to it. Um, and, you know, as you build an expertise in, in this field, you, know, you get better at it. You know, you know, you know what points to focus on, you know, at different parts in the process. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it also speaks to another point about it. It's almost like, knowing a couple of different languages and being able to translate between them, you know, and, and that sort of ideal model of a, of the scientist practitioner or somebody that's able to take the research side and the business side and able to, to bring them together in a way that makes sense. And I think that uh, probably that your background in business, you know, having an active role in it, not just as a, you know, you didn't immediately go into a consulting role or a research role outside of, outside of a business is, you know, it helps you speak that language better probably, right? Oh, I did it tenfold. I, I, I'm a little bit of a business news junkie, so I'm always watching the business news and reading it. And it, it helps me so much with my clients. Um, specifically, one is I can understand, you know, I can understand their language. You know, it helps me understand their world quicker. Um, to, you know, when you, when you talk to the language of business, you know, when you, when you can, you know, uh, understand um, and and just you know communicate, you know, in 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 their terms, right? It makes it easier to to translate, you know, the psychological research. Um, so I, you know, I think, you know, I think that's something um, to be, you know, effective. You know, take mm-hmm. the time to really understand your client's business. Um, it 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 won't do you any harm. <laughs> yeah, for sure, and I think that that's. Uh... Again, another uh, maybe point to to consider for students or early career professionals is that you know we we ask an awful lot, we cram a lot of um, content and material and expectations into graduate programs in our field, but um, we're maybe lacking somewhat in there, and and maybe picking up some classes from you know your business school 
uh, can help you to make up that. I mean, just even knowing, you know, what is a P&L and, you know, what what does that responsibility mean for a leader? You know, what are the sort of just how to read basic financial statements and understand how a market works would really, uh, I think, probably put a, a young professional a step ahead of the game. So I think that's great advice. So I'm going to be linking in the show notes to your contact information, but could you tell us something about you that we might not guess from looking at your LinkedIn profile or your Twitter profile? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, um, I am, uh, I'm an active mall walker. So to get exercise, you know, I will, I will go to the local mall, uh, you know, especially here in the Northeast when it's cold in the winter and I have my Fitbit. Um, so usually either early in the morning or later in the evening, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there getting extra steps uh, as my form of exercise. Um, but it, and it's also fun for me because it's a nice way to kind of break away, you know, from the day and, and, and get some downtime. So, yes, that's something you will, won't read on any of my bios or, you know, on my LinkedIn or Twitter uh, account. So um, that's uh, what I do for a little bit of exercise and leisure. You know, I think that's a really cool way to exercise because, you know, not only, as you mentioned, you know, for a good five or six months a year in, in our part of the world, being outside isn't isn't much of an option unless you enjoy frostbite. But it's just a nice break, I think, from what so many of us do, which is to get on a treadmill and look at the same tiny screens that we've been looking at all day, but to actually... Uh, sort of get our head up from that stuff for a little while and interact with the world a little better. I think it's a, a really neat way to get exercise. So, yeah, I wanted to thank you very much uh, for being a guest on the show, and thank you so much for your patience uh, as we re-recorded this uh, interview a few times. It's my pleasure, Ben. Thank you for having me. 